Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Angela Lewinsky, and I am joined this week with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. And our newly crowned group champion, Brett Freeman. Hi guys. Alright, so first I will give you everyone a little rundown of what the we, when we talk about a group championship. Um, it's kind of like our own little regional that I know the group has started probably about four or five years ago, where they kind of wanted to make this championship among the Facebook group um, and kind of make a championship that was kind of outside the regional, something of their own homebrew thing. And it's been a tradition every year. Uh, this is my third group championship. Uh, I believe, Brett, this is your first, right? Yes, this is the first time I was finally able to make it. Yeah, so it's basically just like a small regional that, you know, very low-key that we did. We had a pretty good turnout. We had about 35 people come out. Um, we had some visitors from New York. I want to thank them for coming down. Uh, we had a good show out from the, you know, Liberty Squadron group that came out. Definitely played very well. Um, I believe we had seven of our, or six or seven of our locals uh, in the cut. So great job, guys. Um, so we're going to go a little bit into that um, in typical Barons fashion. I guess I'll go first <laughs> since my winning record of two and three. Um, I was just there testing some things out. I'm going to Worlds this week, so I, I wanted to see what I what worked and what didn't work. And it was definitely very useful information. I'm not going to go deep dive into any kind of crazy meta breakdown, or not meta breakdown, but like any kind of bat rep or anything like that. But um, like I said, I kind of figured out what works with my list and what doesn't work with my list. Um, if you, a couple things that I will say that if you see... Cavill across the table from you or is even four lime across the table you should probably try to blow them up because they will blow up <laughs> um and like i said like i was sitting here trying to test things trying to make my finishing touches on my world's list and, and i think i've achieved very good things a couple things that you know i, I want to talk about is that some of these tournaments are, are very good for that purpose like just to test certain things out and kind of really understand where you're coming from and, and you know get a feel for these ships specifically um identifying the meta and everything like that and, and like i said i really kind of achieved that purpose so always keep that in the back of your mind um next we had jonathan up in the cut jonathan do you want to talk about your list or um what sure. your choices were yeah so this is actually it was my this is my uh sixth group championship having been i was at the first one where we had eight people um, and so I've been to every single one. Uh, I came in four. I got top four, and I came in fourth in Swiss, and I made it to top four before losing to Brian Zhu, who flew great. Uh, I flew a Sinker Swarm, and instead of Rick, I used Broadside, just sort of trying him out. And, you know, I'm not going to go round by round talking about everything, but um, I played two players who came down from New York, um, Phil Sepulveda and Jade McGovern, and they were both great and had a good time. Um, just like looking at my games, uh, maybe I'll mention. So in the first round, I played Phil Sepulveda, and he had a really interesting list that was Cag Captain Kagi, Turfineer, Deathfire and an Academy pilot. And I had never seen some of these pilots ever on the board in, in second edition. 
And it turned out to be a really close game, which I did eventually win. But I think the lesson is if you see something weird and janky, don't automatically dismiss it because it could actually be pretty dangerous. But like your first thought when you see something kind of odd may be to dismiss it, but it was uh, he's pretty effective. In the second round, I played local Graham O'Neill. He's not listening right now, so I'm not going to talk about our game, but it was a good game. And then I pl- in round three, I played Mike Taglioni. You know, he's uh, another great local. He's also not listening to this right now, but he came out of his admiral's chair from our, to leave Armada to join us, plebes, playing X-Wing. And I lost to him by three points. Super tight game. Um, round four, I played Derek, another local. It was another great game. And then round five, I played Ted. Ted, we were hoping to have him on this week. He played, but he couldn't make it. He plays a separatist swarm. And it was like a frightening and close game. And I was able to squeak out a victory to make it in the cut. In the cut, I played Jade McGovern, who I mentioned before, who came down from somewhere in New York or Northern Jersey. I didn't catch exactly where. And she played the super interesting list of Venny, Kova, and Finn. And it was sort of frightening approaching a trajectory simulator, Venny. And I'd heard about Venny on other podcasts, but I'd never actually faced one. And it was a good close game. Um, By this time, so I had previously played this list using Rick and other variants, but I never really tried it with Broadside. And it took a long time before it sort of clicked, like how that changed. And the interesting thing is, I just sort of assumed, hey, I'm used to playing this sort of archetype. I can change these pieces. It doesn't matter. But it really does make a difference when you change a piece in a list on how it flies. And it takes some time and practice. So I'd advise people to put that work in. And then I was lucky and able to ionize Venny off the board. And then in my last game, I played Brian Zhu, who was playing Rick, Obi-Wan, a generic Jedi Knight, and a generic Ark. And another great close game, and he pulled out the victory, and then he earned the right to face uh, Brett. And I was flying, as I've mentioned a ton of times, Triple Jedi, um, because I I love them. Um, And Jonathan has completely put me to shame, because I don't think I have even half as much detail about any of my games as he has. Um, But I I did want to give a shout out to Jade McGovern. She has been playing Venny since at least the Nyack uh, hyperspace, and she has gotten so good with him. Uh, And I just found out yesterday that she's going to Worlds um, with her father. They're both taking that list, so I hope they uh, have a lot of success there. Um, uh, I got to play a bunch of locals in the cut. Um, I got to play Rob. I got to play Zach and Brian, um, and, you know, they were all wonderful opponents i I couldn't ask for for nicer people um it was overall just you know a great day i'm obviously thrilled to come away with with a a win at a a tournament like that and uh just you know a huge um what a a class act that that they are and they really put on a great tournament between this and the the hyperspace you know i've been so pleased with everything i've been there Uh, unfortunately this time it wasn't 100 degrees outside so we weren't all dying uh inside nice okay so brett i'm gonna put you on the spot right now sorry to do this ever since i've met you in the x-wing world you've always been playing playing the top tier lists uh whether that be jedi vader soon tier nim miranda um what makes you miranda what (laughs) 
I never played in Miranda. Okay. I played 100-point Miranda. Oh, sure, sure, yes. Um, so you've delved into the world of Miranda. What makes you gravitate towards these types of lists, uh, in, you know, specifically? Um, okay, so there's there's two parts to that, I guess. For stuff like Jedi or Imperial Aces, I really do find the the puzzle of escaping arcs, not getting shot, and, and you know, just trying to, to wear them down to be the fun part of X-Wing. Um, I've tried playing, you know, with just more jousty ships, and that really doesn't really speak to me that much. Um, so that's that's why I'm really liking Jedi. That's why I love Imperial Aces. Um, the Miranda time of my life was because I really wanted to win. I had a really bad experience at a regional, and I decided, you know what? I am going to stop trying to come up with my own lists, and I'm going to gonna try flying what other people have had success with. Um, and and it worked out, uh, you know, pretty well for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, I mean, I know a lot of times I will say I support list building and creating your own list and trying to research and identify stuff that has not been found yet but when it all comes down to it a lot of times like this stuff is figured out and you can just net deck Uh, i mean there there are architects and then there are pilots to this game um and sometimes it just is good to get out there and uh find the best list possible tyler Tippett, i thought has always put it best every time i've seen him say anything on on facebook or the forums that i mean essentially like Netlisting is kind of like just crowdsourcing the list building phase. Um, you know, when the hive mind gets together, we're going to do a better job than when somebody just is trying to figure it out on their own. Um, so I know some people think of netlisting as as kind of a dirty word, but uh, you know, I don't have the time to put in a thousand reps to see what upgrade card makes the most sense. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take that resource that other people have put out there for me. I guess definitely. Um, yeah, and that, that makes perfect sense too. Uh, I know exactly that point is I don't have the time to sit here and or the resources to try to figure out what is the best possible. Um, as much as I like to fly, you know, things that are special to me, at the same time, you kind of just have to sit back and check out what is performing well. Um, and we have the resources now to the different archetypes out there to really kind of show what is performing well and you should really kind of take that to heart and, and use that to your ability um whether it be let's say like there's aces that are performing well there's jousters that are performing well you really just kind of have to do a deep dive into that archetype and, and really identify what is the thing that you're looking to put on the table um but Going back to the group championship real quick, uh, first thing I want to do, I know we spoke about our little journeys into it, but um, Nick Bodner and Lou Caravelli, they they did do a great job running the show at Top Deck, so I want to give a special kudos to them. Um, they ran things pretty smoothly yesterday. Uh, they always do a good job there, and the uh, Miles over at Top Deck, I know he's always giving out mad store credit. Um, it, it's always a very good show, so I want to especially thank them. They did a fantastic job. Um, and I again, I want to kind of shout out to the Liberty Squadron community. They you know, really kind of came out and represented it, and we're going to probably get into a team like episode coming up in the future, but just reiterating, like... Um, 
that aspect of the game. Like they, they've really kind of pulled together and, and created this team, and it's really something special that's kind of been created in the Philadelphia area. And like like I said, I want to say kudos to you guys. Um, we had six people in, on our like you know squadron that were in the cut, and I mean, granted, I know there was obviously the odds were in our favor to do that, but. You came in here with a motive to defend the house, and you guys did just that. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about with the group championship? I just want to second what you're saying. I mean, I think that this was the most fun I've ever had at a tournament, and it was because of the environment that was there because of all the local guys. Um, I mean, I, I think we were like halfway through the second round of the cut when a bunch of them came back from the bar even just to come <laughs> cheer people on. I mean, it was, it was such a, a fun night. Um, I, I really was glad everyone was able to come out. Cool. And, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. so it'd be great. I wish I could shout out every single person, but I do actually specifically want to sing out Rob Neisler because I know that he had had some rough experience in prior tournaments and was sort, sort of finding his way. So it's really great to see him find some top, uh, high level success uh, yesterday. Yeah. I mean, especially on that note, I mean, Rob at the Red Caps hyperspace trial that we basically uh, ran you know went from not winning a game to making the cut yesterday so kudos to you rob i know you'll be listening to this um so good job there definitely and like i said it's it really kind of feels like a team aspect to the game now and you know we're gonna go to worlds you know try to get as many people through the lcq as possible and then try to make you know as much as we can in the actual worlds tournament um if you missed the group championship, don't worry. We have some things in the work in the future that we're going to try to do something big. So definitely keep your eyes posted and ears posted um, for this big tournament that we're coming up. Um, we're definitely trying to get something a little bit bigger going in the work. So definitely uh, look out for that. Um, all right, so we're going to keep this episode pretty short for the most part. We are exhausted from yesterday. Um, we are now getting ready to get on flights to go to Minnesota. So I'm going to let Jonathan take the floor for the moment. And if he wants to talk to us about like what we're expecting, I know last uh, week we talked to, to some of the locals. Uh, this week we're going to actually talk to us. I know Chris can't be with us. He's got some work things going on until, um, but he will be at words at Worlds. So I'm going to give the floor to you, Jonathan. Grill us. Do whatever you want. All right. So uh, what are your plans if you run into Sunfac at World? I want to, real fast, before we do move on, there was only one out of the 35 players, there was only one Sunfac yesterday at the tournament. Now, I don't know if that was just something that hasn't caught on, um, but I know when I went up against it yesterday, it was pretty scary. I mean... It's knowing what it did, it does, and like listening to or actually being in the episode where we kind of broke down Sunfac, one hundred percent helped because that was one of the scariest moments in gaming. Um, but to your question, it was what are our plans if we run into Sunfac? Uh, yeah. So my plan is to run away. Um, maybe try to take out as much of his little friends that I possibly can and with just trying to make it a one-on-one with, between Ketsu and Sunfact because that's what, I mean my list that I'm taking to Worlds is Ketsu and two friends and 
it, it was a little bit like with having two arcs out there, it made Sunfat kind of like bounce around a little bit and really kind of decide if he's taking um, shots while he tried to basically just chase down the other um, components on my list. Like if you can really narrow that out, um, it, it can make the Sunfat player think a little bit. I, and, and I think that's like, uh, there's a lot of times where I was like, do I engage with this small base ship in Sunfac? And then I think of all the possibilities that he absolutely can do. And the answer is no. Like you have to kind of try to have these plans for Sunfac. Um, and, and if you can take it, like you have to absolutely capitalize on that. And that's going to be my strategy towards it is I have to let Ketsu play against Sunfac and let my other two uh, ships take care of everything else in that list. Brett, how about you? I don't really have a great plan, I'm going to be honest. I mean, my, my lists have Plo Koon in them, um, and Plo can let me you know, transfer a tractor token away. So I'm hoping that if I end up running up in the Sunfac, Plo can help, hopefully get me you know, a little bit of help there. But um, I'm so nervous about Sunfac that I just put together my second hangar bay list, which is designed strictly for one that if I run into Sunfac, I don't have to worry about it because it's it's two medium bases. It's the double fire spray list. Well, it's, really fu- it's funny because I'm, for my yeah. for for my hyperspace list is Sunfac and Grievous and uh, Berber. So that should be fun. I mean, you can't yeah, beat them, exactly. join them, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess if I do run in, into them in the LCQ, uh, the the strategy is really to just sort of um, hope that my green dice help me and just try and make sure I keep guns on target. Um, I'm probably going to have to be doing a lot of, uh, you know, red maneuvers to try and fly like a defender and use that force, uh, you know, to the best that it, it can do to just try and put some damage in there. Um, once Sunfat goes down, obviously the list becomes so much more manageable. Uh, so just try and burn them down, I guess. But honestly, my expectation is that if I play Sunfac, I will lose, and I will lose really badly. So other than the Nantax, are there any other matchups that worry either of you guys? Triple Jedi. That's all I have to say. Um uh... Jedi are, I mean, so I ran into Triple Jedi back at Nova. Um, I've learned a lot about them. I've kind of accepted the fact that it's going to be an uphill battle against it. Um, And Brett, you're a bastard for bringing them. But it is a super good medical that I just am willing, you know, I, I, me, myself, I'm coming into Worlds trying to maybe win some of that scum prizes. I know I'm not going to win the whole thing, or at least that's what I'm telling myself. Um, trying not to get some hopes up, but, you know, setting small goals for myself. So Triple Jedi is the one thing that I'm like, it's going to be a very uphill battle for me. Everything else I think my list can manage. Uh, so mine would just be very highly defensive ships. So Triple Jedi is... You know, kind of a coin flip for me, obviously, because I'm, I'm running the same thing. Um, but any token stacking things, I mean, Jedi, let's be honest, Chris says it all the time here. You know, their end game is kind of they, they do some damage on you and they try and and stay up on points. Um, so when it gets to the point where I might not actually be able to push damage into you unless I get some unfavorable engagements to get some shots on, 
um, you know, there's a good chance that you might, uh, you know, get that that hit on me that I just can't recover from. Uh, so anything super highly tanky is really scary. Um, generally, swarms or, or things that have, you know, low agility, I'm not too scared about because I can usually nuke one of them pretty quickly. And then, you know, the game is usually mine to to, to do what I want with. But, uh, you know, really squirrely things, some tears with bids and whatnot, uh, that, that can always be really tough. Uh, so speaking of bids, how deep do you think people will be bidding in, in at Worlds? Brett, what do you think? So for Sunfac, I think bids are going to be about 20. And for everything else, I think if you have 10 points, you're probably going to be completely fine. Um, it seems like people are still kind of a little more on the counting to 200 train than the have massive bids train. Um, 195, stuff like that is probably going to be enough to, to get you the, the bid. I, I would say probably like 75% of the time, which is obviously a complete guess, but it feels right to me. Um, so I don't think bids are going to be too important, um, but there are some lists, you know, Imperial Aces and Sunfac, where they're just going to have massive bids that there's not really any point in even trying to keep up with. Yeah, when you, when you say that, it really kind of is scary that, I mean, Sunfac with Ensnare and maybe another upgrade is basically going to be a 100-point Sunfac. And I like I said, I think that's a little bit scary on both ends because, A, it's like if you get them to half points, you still have 50 points that you have to take care of. And B, uh, as the Sunfact player, it, one mess up with that thing, and you could just be out of half of a list right off the bat um, with that. So, but yeah, I definitely think I could see Sunfact going in, down to 180. Um, especially because a lot of times you see these uh, Vader soon tier lists, or and anything Imperial can has been going down to like 185, 187. Um, they definitely would need to be below that if you're a Sunfact player. So, um, other than that, you hit it right on the ball. Like if you're down to 195, you're probably going to outbid most lists that you see. So we've talked a lot about the Nantex. Do you think any other cards from the most recent recent wave will make a splash at Worlds, such as Snapshot or Precognitive Reflexes? <laughs> um, yes, but we're not going to talk about the one card that I think is going to um really make a splash that and okay i know a couple weeks ago i kind of said this about the b or the y wing that we're so panicked about the uh nantex that something's slipping through on the on the y wing and it 100 slipped through it i mean people have caught it but if you're not ready for it you're going to be shocked Brett, do you he's agree? talking, of course, about Broadside, who's just a great <laughs> yes. tip. Um, with an ion cannon turret, he's going to get three hits almost all the time. Um, broadside and match matchsticks are great. I completely agree with you, Andrew. Um, <laughs> so so yeah. I was able, I ionized a rack twice in a row, and I did ionize a Venny off the board. It took a little bit of, a couple of games to sort of get used to flying him, but uh, you get him in close, and he can ionize those large base ships. If you're lucky, if variant swings your way. Yeah, so I'll leave it on that. Is I mean, I'm not going to say outright what it is, but I think there is something that has absolutely slipped through the cracks in that Y-Wing expansion pack. And that's all I will say. 
I do think precog and snapshot are going to have a big impact, though. I feel like snapshots were were kind of all over yesterday, or at least near the tables that I were at, because I heard people constantly talking about them. Um, so I think people uh, are really scared of the Nantex, who, like you said, didn't really show up. So they think snapshots are a nice way to tech against the Nantex. Um, so I, I do think that's going to be there. Um, and precog does seem to be having some success right now, if you just look on List Fortress. Um, I still don't really know the how that Aces High format is going to be on the weekend at Worlds, but I mean, I'm planning on bringing Anakin with CLT and Precog as my Aces High list because it seems like in a situation, in a, a game like that, Precog could be so strong. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some people running, you know, two just fully decked out uh, Aces, both with Precog or maybe even one with Supernatural if the points fit, uh, and really playing the, the runaway game. So with speaking of Snapshot, um, I ran into it twice yesterday, and I, I don't know, like, uh, there's something about Snapshot that's just not doing it for me. Like, I think it's going to be very good in certain cases, um, but I think at the same time, it's very points costed appropriately, and I'm, I'm not so worried about it. Um, especially because there's some things that I, I know there were some people talking about this at the tournament yesterday. And one of the things I, I want to make sure everyone knows is make sure you understand the rules behind 2.0 bonus attacks. Cause I know some people were talking about maybe putting snapshot on, uh, IG 88 B missing the snapshot and then shooting your, uh, bonus attack with your cannon. Um, and that doesn't work because you only get one bonus per attack per a turn. So snapshot being your bonus attack, you can't then perform your uh, bonus attack with the cannon. Um, so make, make sure you understand everything if you plan on taking snapshot and how all that works. So we've talked about Separatists, Republic, Empire. Uh, which faction do you think is, of all the factions, which faction do you think is going to be most represented or do the best? And on the flip side, which faction do you think will do the worst at Worlds? I I honestly think that Jedi are going to probably, well, not just Jedi, but um, the Republic faction is probably going to be the highest, followed by Empire. Um, is Definitely, they're going to be the highest representative and probably perform the best. Um, I would be thrilled and not shocked at all, though, if it ends up being a Empire versus um, Republic in the finals. Um, they are performing very well, I, I think, and it's obvious that they're going to be there at Worlds. Um Separatists, I, I'm not so sure about. Um, we have Sunfac, the big boogeyman that's coming around. Um, but I, I think a lot of people are kind of like expecting to see swarms, which I'm not really sure why. Um, I, you know, I know they're going to be out there. Uh, Seer Swarm is definitely going to be out there. The Synchro Swarm is going to be out there. Um, but I don't know how many people are actually going to be doing that. Brett, do you what do you, what do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, I think I mean I, I think that you're probably right that Republic and Empire are going to be the two most represented, and they're probably at least going to be two of the top three. I would say, if not the top two. Um, 
I think that CIS though has actually become just really strong. Like if you look at the the you know the tournaments lately, they they just seem to to be getting really consistent. Once people started figuring out, uh, you know, what makes them tick, uh, they're they're having really consistent results. I actually saw kind of an interesting uh, post. I think it was on the forums or Reddit. I don't know. So a great source either way, but. Uh, it was a, a breakdown of basically, I think, all the, the, the tournament results for, like, the last wave. And uh, all of the factions were within, like, half a percentage of each other as far as win percentage went. Um, so it just seems like the game is really balanced. Uh, and actually, interestingly, Republic was the lowest faction. But again, it was only by, like, a, a percentage point. Um I, I think as far as the lowest represented and probably the worst performing, I'm sorry, I think it's probably going to be scum, I'll be honest. Um, I just think that they're in a, a rough place right now. Um, and I would not be at all surprised to see First Order win the whole thing. I 100% agree about scum um, being in the worst place right now. Um, I, I, I they're, they're definitely in a tight space. Um, and we'll see if anything happens in the next card pack or points change. But I think people are very low on Scum, and it was kind of like Ketsu was their one saving grace to the faction, and with them getting the point of the um, the most recent update, the FAQ with um, Tractor Beam, which I understand why they did it, and Ketsu was a collateral damage to it. Um, it, it kind of took a little bit of a hurting, but I think at the same time they will be represented it but in very low numbers and i would absolutely agree that they're going to be at the bottom but they'll be there because that's what i'm bringing and it makes faction prizes easier yay so do you, what faction prizes are there I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest until you mentioned it i didn't know that there were faction prizes or at least i'd forgotten about them do you guys know offhand or, or there's dial covers right like the custom dial covers yes oh nice and ironically, it's the jump master for scum. Um, so oh, that's right. I do remember that. Yes. Okay. I do know that there are other things, but I can't remember off the top of my head what there are for. Um, I think there's alt arts, and then there's custom dial covers, and yeah, are there yeah other <laughs> yeah. yeah so. Have you thought about making Dengar one of uh, one of the friends that Katsu brings along? Yes, um, and I decided against it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, is there any utility in Dengar without punishing one? Like, because he's probably pretty cheap. I actually have no idea how many points he is without punishing one. Um. So yes, I I've actually have been uh, talking to one of our locals about this in without the punishing one, and the idea behind it is you kind of throw L three three seven on him. To as soon as you're unshielded, you can turn all of your um, banks blue. So you kind of open up that other side of the dial, but at the same time, it's you know I mean that right there that's sitting at sixty points without any other upgrades. Um, is that decent for a two dice ship that's at nine health? Maybe. Um, but then it's kind of like you look at Han Solo in the YT, um, and he's only 54 points. So uh, I don't know. Um, it, it's going to require more testing, and maybe um, maybe something in the future will affect that. 
So I have a question then about this. Yes. And I'm just going – I'm making this up right now. Um, but on Chris Sheriff's uh, like rules interpretations on the, the X-Wing rules questions uh, Facebook group, he's put that snapshot – can be performed as an attack during like the engagement phase. So is there a way to maybe have Dengar with snapshot and be able to have the turret to the left? And then it just so, you know, if someone's at range two in front of you, you can use snapshot. And then if they shoot at you and they're in range two in front of you, you can use snapshot as your bonus attack to, to maybe sort of just get a more of an arc coverage. I mean, it might just completely suck anyway, but um, I don't know if that's, um, so, no, because it doesn't add a turret arc. It doesn't add an arc. You actually have to perform... Doesn't it have an arc printed? Like a forward arc printed on the snapshot card? Maybe? Let me take a look yeah. at it. Yeah. I um, think at that... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, anyway. go ahead. I mean, wouldn't maybe just put a... Just say the Jump Master still has a torpedo slot, right? Yeah. So you, wouldn't it be better... You could just put a torpedo... Yeah, but that requires you to have the target lock. So, I mean, I, yes, um, Brett, what you are saying, I, I think you could actually do that um, because it just says attack. It doesn't say anything else. And the Dengar's ability says you can perform a bonus attack against the attacker. So it is possible. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's good. But, there. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's good either. Because, I mean, Snapshot's sitting at nine points along Dengar, so... Right, he's um, still 65 points with, right. with just those, or just snap on him. But I don't know. It just occurred to me that maybe that's something. Right. So um, speaking of, like, best performing factions and such, if so you can't pick someone from Liberty Squadron, but who do you think will win Worlds? You can name a couple people. Um. All right, so I, I've thought about this, and... I think you're going to see the big names that you always see. I think Paul Heaver will be in the cut. Duncan, obviously. Um, we haven't heard anything much of Nathan Idy, I don't think, recently. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's in there. However, I think um, someone that's going, this person that's going to win Worlds is not going to be, like, I shouldn't say no name or anything like that. But I don't think it's going to be anyone anyone's expecting. And I think that's a trend that we've kind of been seeing in second edition. Um, that it, dice variance is a little bit more out there, and I think anyone really has a shot at this. Um, with that being said, you know, I'm sure you know Duncan's probably going to win it all, but um, I, I think anyone has a valid shot at winning this. So as far as big name goes, the only one I've ever played personally is Duncan Howard. Um, and just playing him, you can see his brain working in ways that you can't even comprehend. So I, I have to pick him because uh, I, I, I've never seen anything like him playing X-Wing before. It was it was really impressive. Uh, so he probably won't win. Like I mean, there's going to be like 500 people. The odds are not great. It's kind of like the World Series of Poker at this point. The, the field size is so big that for one of the big names to win, you know, they just need to get incredibly lucky. Um, but I would, if I had to bet on anyone, it would definitely be him. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. I think I heard somewhere that Morgan Reed might be coming to Worlds this year. Yeah, I believe he and the, the Foss brothers are coming. So I think more, if I, I would pick Morgan, Duncan, um, maybe if you know the, Julian Hood out of the UK, 
had a really has had a really great year flying double Jedi, double torrent, you know, taking down multiple hyperspace trials in a super competitive place. Um yeah, that's what I would say. And then, you know, actually watching the guy from Singapore, XY. You know, I know he'll be at Worlds, too. So, uh, um, are... I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it's, I want to say he was the Imperial Assault World Champion. Oh, um, yeah. Dan Taylor. I know he recently started playing X-Men, <laughs> and he had two great performances back-to-back um, where he went to a system open in Georgia and got to the final table and then went to the next system open a week later and ended up winning it. Um, if he's going to be at worlds, I'd put money on him just for the fact that, you know, he, he seems like a player that like can see the matrix through and through that, um, he's, he can identify things he's already has a big name in Imperial assault. RIP, but um, I think that kind of can carry over to X-Wing, and I'd be shocked to see him not perform if he's going to be there. So with these uh, the recent FAQ changes and the ability queue, do you foresee any rules controversies coming out of Worlds? Yes. <laughs> um, so, I mean, everyone knows that I'm a big rules guy. Everyone, I think I had a bunch of people come up to me and ask me certain interactions yesterday. Um, I think for the most part, anyone that's going to be at Worlds is going to have everything nailed down. I think, though, the LCQ might be a little bit of a problem. Um, the ability queue is still super... It's been cleared up a lot. But I think at the same time, it's still pretty confusing. And um, I just hope that they are prepared and have kind of organized a judging crew that will um, really kind of be able to identify any problems and ha handle them accordingly and make sure everything is uniform. Uh, I think that's my big thing is if anything is, if everything's uniform, um, and across the board, everything should run smoothly. Yeah, I'm not too worried, I guess. I feel like the ability queue, they kind of simplified to, you need to be able to add it now at the start. And if you can, then you can add it. Um, that's, that's just sort of the way I'm looking at it now. Like, I felt like they, they kind of overly complicated it for, like, maybe two weeks before they, they provided more clarity. Um, but... Uh, I, I'm not too worried about it now. Um, you're probably right that in the LCQ, it's going to be more of an issue um, just based on, you know, player quality like us. But um, the the biggest concern I guess I would have about the ability queue is I don't know how you can judge it because unless you're standing at the table, it's going to be his word against her word right like right it's a classic he said he said she said did they add this to the ability queue and in what order um so if it does become a controversy i really don't know how a judge is going to handle it yeah that's a good point uh, that's something that i've has been in the back of my mind for a long time um and i i guess that kind of goes just on player base is um if you can i would assume that like me going into this my assumption is if you can add it to the ability queue, it's in the ability queue. 
um, as opposed to something like Anakin, like something very specific like Anakin. So Anakin's ability is you have to have something at range one or in bullseye arc in order to add it to the queue. Um, so like something like that, you have to identify right away. Other than that, like something like, um, uh, something else with Jedi, like that they can find to control and do something else. Um, they, you know, uh, I know I'm fumbling here, but I think my rule of thumb is going to be if you can add it, it's in the queue. I'm not going to sit there and argue with people. And if you're going to sit there and argue with people, then, like, maybe you should rethink certain things. Um, because, like I said, if you're going to be that person, I don't know. Oh, Brett, are you going to be that person? <laughs> no, no, I completely agree with you. I'm just, you know, trying to think of it logistically. Like, right. I, I'm sure, you know, someone of the, you know, 900 people who are going to be at Worlds is going to be willing to be that person, um, you know, in a playing game or something like that. And I just, I don't envy the judges there. Right. Um, you know, uh, like just thinking of that interaction, like, it gives money. me a headache. <laughs> like, I know that, yeah, exactly, there's going to be that one person that's just like, well, you did say you were adding that to the ability queue, and now he's kind of, like, showing up. Like, I mean, I have an interaction with uh, Old Terok and Ketsu, where if you... Um, Tractor beam something into range one of old Tarok, um, where originally people thought that his uh, ability was then void from the ability queue unless it was there at the beginning. But they further clarified that choosing does not have to, you know, isn't part of a requirement to add to the ability queue. So it's kind of like if I don't declare that I'm adding old Tarok's ability to the ability queue, is someone going to, uh, you know, give me a hard time with it? It's maybe so. It's a good thing you bring that up because I think it's something that you should know going into this before um, it, it happens to you on the spot. And then exactly what you said, Brett, it's going to be a, an example of he said, she said, and that's never fun. Yeah, and I mean, just personally, if I'm the judge, I think I have to to just rule against the person who would be favored by whatever being added, right? Like I, I would... I, I, I guess I don't, I don't know really what I would do. It seems like a really bad, bad situation. Good luck to whichever developer got the short straw. Right. Yeah, like I said, I mean, if I was a judge, I would definitely say something like, you know, if it could have been added to the queue, it's in the queue. Um, unless you specifically chose not to for some, whatever reason. Do you guys have any other tips or any advice that you give someone going to Worlds? Um, write, your yeah, triggers you on your, write your triggers on your hands. I forgot to regen shields like probably six or seven times yesterday. I got so frustrated at myself. I was starting to, to, to go on tilt because I just kept missing the same trigger turn after turn after turn. So just write. If it's regen, I write an R on my hand. If it's uh, you know fine-tuned controls, I'll write an F on my hand. Just something so... Just honestly, the act of even writing it in there sort of just makes me me think about it again. So if, if you don't want to be a scrub like me and forget your triggers, write them on your hands. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good one. And, like, we could sit here and say the obvious, like, you know, make sure you hydrate and make sure you eat, you know, some power foods and everything like that. Um, but some, like, final tips is... Don't ever underestimate your opponent and also try as best of your ability to keep track of points. Um, 
one of the big takeaways that we had from yesterday was that we noticed that, I mean, Jonathan, you, you even said it yourself that like you didn't know how close games were until you really kind of calculated points. Um, it, it would be wise to maybe keep uh, track of your opponent's list uh, and the points next to you so you can really kind of look at that throughout the game and identify, like you can sit there and say, you know, I'm just going to joust you and hope for the best income the best outcome um but if you really kind of like look at your opponent's list you can identify different um strategies that you can do and hope for the best outcome that way as opposed to just being like i'm gonna play this game and you know just try to plink away damage as you know best as i can as opposed to okay i know i'm ahead i know i need to start playing a little bit more defensively and make sure i secure this win as opposed to uh let's maybe take an extra risk at you know as possible because if you're like if if it's a matter of getting half points on one ship and you know you're just going and going through the game and then you don't even realize that it it was that close then that that could be a big mistake so if you have launch bay next the uh the squad builder app the nice thing about it is it has a feature for those who don't know, a tournament tracking feature, you just hit it. It says create a new tournament. You import, you bring in your list from Launch Bay, and then it goes round one, you and round two, and then it goes records every round you do. And you can import your opponent's list with a QR code and your phone camera. And when you do it, you can open up a little calculator function and it can it'll calculate scores for you. And you could actually do it like in the middle of the game or even as the game's going on, you could just tap a ship and it's like half point, tap it again, and it's dead and it can give you a running total. And it's something that at the very end I was starting to do, but um, it was super, super useful. So if you have, and every single opponent I had, every single one had their list in a squad builder app and that could export to a QR code. And uh, so it was super handy. So I'd recommend everyone try that. Cool. That's because so. you didn't play me, because I forgot we needed squad sheets. <laughs> I had to write mine out. Um, can I give a couple of shout-outs uh, to some people? Sure. Who, so, uh, Saul Guerrero, who has come to a bunch of our hyperspaces, uh, he won one in, uh, at Brothers Grimm this weekend, so I wanted to, to give a, a shout-out and a congratulations to him. Uh, and James Carmen won the one in Rochester this weekend, um, and I've played both of them. They're they're great guys, so I just wanted to, to give them shout-outs. So, yeah, and I think I am, um, uh, speaking of shout-outs, I'd like to give a shout-out to um, Eddie at Lightcraft Miniature Studios. He is shutting down his studio, but uh, I want to wish him best of luck in all his future endeavors and uh, much love. That is sad to hear. Um, are you going to get your Fang Fighters? Um, I'll get them, but I don't uh, It doesn't matter. It's, they're just ships. <laughs> That's fair. Um Okay, so I think that's going to wrap it up. Like I said, we will try to keep it a little bit shorter this week because, you know, we have a lot going on and we're going to be at Worlds. Uh, so be ready for our next episode after Worlds to have a full recap of what is going down. This is the first Worlds of second edition. Like, we have not had a Worlds event since this has released. So that's very exciting, I think. Um, it's going to be and great. Yeah. It's like a whole week of X-Wing, too, right? Like, they've right. really embraced just us all having a great time. I, 
this, this is going to be like the best week of the year. Right. And it's, it's, it's going to be a blast. So um, be ready for our next episode. We'll have a full breakdown of worlds. Everyone uh, will try to get as many people on as possible um, to talk about our experiences and have, you know, all the results and all the information that we could possibly gather uh, for the next um, episode. If you're going to Worlds, make sure you come see us. We'll probably be all Liberty Squadroned up. Uh, we can direct you to, uh, you know, people uh, that might have some swag to give out. You know, come say hi to us. I greatly appreciate it. And, you know, tell us what you think of the show. So uh, we definitely have some cool things to give out. I will be posting them probably within this week um, on what you can grab from us. And it, it tr- it's going to be fun. So other than that, um, if you're a fan of the show, you can get all the swag through our Patreon and our thank you notes. That will go out um, probably afterwards, so keep an eye out for that. And if you're not a patron, I highly recommend checking that out. Like I said, all that money goes right back to you guys, and we're using it too for our future endeavor that we're planning. Um, so definitely check that out as well. And like us on Facebook and our, our group page and our podcast page. So check them both out. Um, so like I said, if you're at Worlds, come say hi. Brett will be there. I'll be there. Chris will be there. Um, Jonathan's on the home front. <laughs> we'll make sure he uh, holds down the fort here. So come say hi. I want to thank everyone again for listening. It's been one hell of a year since uh, starting recording and getting to the first Worlds of Second Edition. So have a great night. And again, thank you for listening.